This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Reed Pence. This week, J.C. Konechny's daughter Greta was a normal five-year-old looking forward to starting kindergarten. But it changed in an instant after a case of strep throat. She was completely out of control of her body. So she would scream and cry and run around the house. All that and more when Radio Health Journal returns. I'm Nancy Benson, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show. Here's a preview of what they're covering on Viewpoints this week. This is a trait to do with how open-minded you are. Um, we seem to find that's quite a prominent trait, actually, to determine the types of emoji people use. How do the emojis you use reflect who you are? Then It's cost six people their lives, and it's cost many others their fortunes and their sanity. An innocent hobby turned into deadly obsession next week. On your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Listen to Viewpoints on your favorite radio station, iTunes and Stitcher. About five years ago, J.C. Konechny's daughter Greta was a normal five-year-old looking forward to starting kindergarten. But it changed in an instant after a case of strep throat. We had her treated and we thought that she was better. But we noticed overnight that she became extremely obsessive about her throat specifically. And her belief was that something was stuck in her throat. She literally believed there was a bone or a piece of tissue that was lodging her airway. She was very insistent about this and would mention it thousands of times a day. So, of course, we became very concerned. We went down the medical path, had her seen by an ENT, and the ENT cleared her and said, her throat looks great. She doesn't have strep. She looks good. I would recommend that this might be a psychological problem. The Konechnys took Greta to a therapist who thought she had obsessive-compulsive disorder, but treatment didn't help. She was put on four different SSRI drugs, but the symptoms only got worse. During this time, she began having these attacks where she would be completely normal. She'd be driving down the road, and all of a sudden, she would say, I'm dying, and start screaming and have what adults would call a panic attack, a very, very upsetting, emergent-type situation where she really believed that her heart was going to jump out of her chest, that she was dying. She had deteriorated to the point of, What we can't call psychosis, because psychosis is a complete break from reality, but in our daughter's case, she was completely out of control of her body. So she would scream and cry and run around the house pulling things off walls. She was just completely out of control. There would be days where she wouldn't be able to swallow her own saliva because she couldn't coordinate her swallowing reflex. She began to lose the ability to walk, so she would crawl everywhere. And again, I have to emphasize, this was a completely normal child prior to this illness. About a year and a half later, Konechny found a doctor who finally connected Greta's strep throat to the onset of her symptoms. He believed she had not a psychological disorder, but damage to a part of the brain called the basal ganglia. It's a disorder whose full name is Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder Associated with Streptococcal Infection. People call it PANDAS for short. In PANDAS, when a child contracts strep, there is a misdirected immune response. Basically, the body becomes autoimmune. So the immunities that the child produces to strep attack the child's own brain. 
and affect specifically the basal ganglia of the brain. The basal ganglia controls movement. That's where we see these tick disorders, problems swallowing, issues with urination. And then also the basal ganglia controls mood. Obsessive compulsive disorders, anxiety are thought to originate in the basal ganglia. And that is the part of the brain that seems to be most impacted by PANDA. The only reason we really treat strep is to prevent the immune reactions to it. Strep normally goes away in three days, whether you treat it or not. But there are serious consequences that have been well known for a long time that strep triggers immune reactions to the brain, the kidneys, the skin, and, you know, just joints in general, and to the heart, obviously, which is the rheumatic fever. That's Washington, D.C. neurologist Dr. Elizabeth Latimer. She says the hypothalamus and amygdala may also be attacked by the body's immune system, creating a whole host of possible symptoms. A lot of the kids have difficulty with noise, bright lights. That can occur at school as well. And the other issue with anxiety is that they have severe separation anxiety. So a lot of these kids can't go to school at all. And then there's some minor issues which can come up like hoarding or collecting of things. But a lot of these children really become cripples within their own home. Severe impulsivity, they hit children, run across the main highways, flood off roofs, all sorts of things. Aggression, rage episodes. And during the rage episodes, which the kids don't recall, by the way, the pupils just become completely black. They have a deterioration in their handwriting. They have inability to fall asleep, initiate sleep at night, and a difficulty maintaining sleep at night. Many children with the disorder suffer from facial tics or may yell out when they don't intend to. Konechny, who is former executive director of the Pandas Network, says kids may also suffer from severe obsessive-compulsive disorder. And that in children can look many different ways. It can look like the need to repeat things or ask something over and over and over again, the classic germ phobia or hand washing, a belief that food is contaminated is a very common OCD symptom we see in children with pandas. And that usually leads to restricted eating. So, mommy, I cannot eat any food that is red. It is poison. And a true belief in the child that that is true. Konechny says parents should take note of symptoms like these, particularly if they start suddenly. Latimer says a child can have a Jekyll and Hyde transformation from completely normal to out of control literally overnight. However, that's sometimes hard for doctors to believe. Patients are attacked by their physicians. They're told that your child couldn't possibly have been normal before this. Even though the parents bring video with them. And then they get them into psychiatric hospitals. And one of the things that they put them on medications, and sometimes the medications make the kids worse. And then they get diagnosed with bipolar disease or some other psychiatric illness. And then they spiral into the psychiatric world, and it's tough to get them out of that. Officially, PANDAS afflicts an estimated 1 in 200 children, but Latimer says the real number is likely higher because so many are misdiagnosed. And the longer PANDAS goes on, the worse the symptoms get. Strep is often never diagnosed, and it may take as long as six weeks after a strep infection before PANDA's symptoms set in. So doctors and parents may never connect the two. But once they do, doctors often start treatment with antibiotics. That is the first line of therapy. And really our hope is that if kids are caught early, if we increase awareness, then children will be caught in the beginning of their illness, and then they can be treated usually with a course of antibiotics, typically a little longer than you'd see for strep. So we see kids treated for about three weeks with low-cost generic antibiotics, typically run 10 to $20. You treat the infection, so you get rid of the trigger of the immune reaction. Whatever antigen or protein is triggering your body 
to respond immunologically, you get rid of the trigger. So you have to treat the stroke. And if that does not resolve the problem, then you have to deal with the immune reaction. So if you use the analogy of asthma, if a child comes in with an asthma attack, you give them antibiotics if there's a bacterial infection. If that doesn't work, then you give them steroids. Doctors may also suggest a treatment that might surprise you, taking out the tonsils. A tonsillectomy was almost a rite of passage decades ago for kids with recurrent sore throats. Doctors were concerned about essentially the same thing as pandas, strep throat prompting an immune reaction. But back then, it was a fear that antibodies would attack the heart. We do a lot of tonsillectomies at Georgetown. Again, it's removing the trigger. So in the 1950s, in 1959 was the peak year of tonsillectomy in the United States. People were really afraid of strep in 1959 because people had rheumatic fever. If someone had strep too many times, they would take their tonsils out. I have had many parents actually just make the decision to take the kids' tonsils out and pay for it on their own because their insurance company couldn't pay for it. I think if your child has a strep-mediated illness, it's a really good idea to remove the organ in the body, the tonsils, that harbor strep very often. And in many kids, we think of it as kind of cleaning out the house and dusting everything before you put the furniture back in. So before you deliver treatment to a child, you take out this tissue that in many cases, and in my daughter's case, was full of bacteria. However, children with more severe cases of pandas who've been sick longer may need more. That's when doctors may try treatment with IVIG, intravenous immunoglobulin therapy. In this therapy, antibodies taken from healthy donors, so you go and donate blood, thankfully millions of Americans do that, the healthy antibodies are removed from that blood product and they're pooled into one bag and then infused into the sick patient. Those healthy antibodies, there's usually about 900 of them, between 7 and 900, depending on the weight of the child, go in and they dilute the child's system so that the diseased antibodies that the child's carrying are less effective, meaning they're not able to go in and attack the child. So it's sort of a reset for the immune system, and it's quite effective. Konechny says after receiving IVIG, her daughter returned to her normal self almost immediately after 18 months of illness. But if rebooting the immune system doesn't work, doctors may try purifying it with what's called plasmapheresis. And this is usually reserved for the most severely ill children because it's done in the hospital. During this process, a central line is placed in the child, and the child's blood is actually removed and filtered. So about 98% of the antibodies are removed from the child's blood. And then their blood, the clean blood that's been cycled through this plasmapheresis machine, is put back into them. Plasmapheresis has been used for decades for the treatment of all autoimmune neurologic disorders. It's like dialysis of the immune system. You just take out the layer of plasma that contains all the antibodies, and it's a process that you do over several days. And that's probably the most effective treatment. It is actually, in fact, the gold standard for the treatment of the Guillain-Barre syndrome and myasthenia graft and a variety of other things. And the American Academy of Apheresis has approved apheresis for first-line therapy of pandas. Latimer says the vast majority of children can be treated successfully, but researchers don't know if pandas prompts long-term damage to the basal ganglia. Latimer says repeated strep infections are probably necessary to trigger pandas, along with a genetic predisposition. So it's important to know, do pediatricians know pandas when they see it? I would say 10 years ago, absolutely not. But thanks to the work of our organization and many others, and really, quite frankly, parents, 
it's becoming common that when you go in and mention this to a pediatrician, they've at least heard of the disorder. Konechny invites you to find out more at pandasnetwork.org or through the Pandas Physician Network at pandasppn.org. You can find links on our website, radiohealthjournal.net, where you'll also find archives of our programs. You can also find them on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. I'm Reed Pence. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, please call this toll-free number right now. 800-279-0419. That's 800-279-0419. By calling your addiction team, you're taking the first steps to recovery. Don't fight addiction alone. Their advisors are ready to take your call. Your future is still a bright place. The help you need could be one call away. 800-279-0419. That's 800-279-0419. This call is completely confidential. And if you have private insurance, there could be little to no cost to you. Even if you've already been to treatment, give us a call. There's no need to let addiction ruin your life. Take the first step now. Call your addiction team at 800-279-0419. That's 800-279-0419. Make the free call now. 800-279-0419. Your addiction team is a third-party advertiser for various treatment centers and placement networks. Individual results will vary. Visit youraddictionteam.com slash terms for more information. Paid not attorney spokesperson Fierce Nakawati with Principal Office in Dallas, Texas. Attention landscapers and anyone working in the landscape industry. This is an important alert for users of the Weed Killer Roundup that have been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. A California jury recently awarded $289 million to a landscaper who claimed Roundup gave him cancer. Roundup is the most widely used herbicide in the United States with billions of pounds applied each year. Farm workers and landscapers are at the highest risk of injury from exposure. Time is limited to file a claim. If you work with Roundup Weed Killer and were diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, don't wait. Call the Roundup legal helpline now. The number to dial is 800-208-0501. That number again is 800-208-0501. You could be entitled to significant compensation. If you've been exposed to Roundup and have been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, don't wait. Call the Roundup legal helpline right now. 800-208-0501. That's 800-208-0501. Again, 800-208-0501. Call now. What are you going to do with your old car? You can try selling it, you could junk it, or you can donate it to Heritage for the Blind. Your car will be towed away for free and your donation is tax deductible. Just call 1-800-835-1478. Heritage for the Blind accepts cars, vans, trucks, and boats. It doesn't matter if your vehicle runs or not. It will be towed away for free and you'll be supporting those that need help. Heritage for the Blind is a nonprofit organization that helps the visually impaired live fuller lives. Call right now to donate your car, and as a special thank you, you'll receive a free three-day vacation voucher to over 50 locations. Call Heritage for the Blind right now. Call 1-800-835-1478. Donating is easy, and your vehicle is towed away for free. Plus, you'll get a free vacation voucher for donating. Call now, 1-800-835-1478. That's 1-800-835-1478. Thank you for listening to Radio Health Journal, a production of MediaTracks Communications. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please support our show by subscribing, sharing it with a friend, and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find more Radio Health Journal stories about health, science, and technology on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and RadioHealthJournal.net. 
Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Radio Health Journal. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. And then all of a sudden, the diagnosis of advanced stage liver disease is made in cirrhosis, and they're shocked, and they're looking at such treatments as liver transplantation. Fatty liver disease, a sneaky disorder that may affect a quarter of the population. Then, one side effect of cancer treatment most patients don't think about in advance. At least 60% of people with cancer treatment end up with a sexual problem. All that and more on Radio Health Journal.